0: Welcome back to the show today. One of our original and favorite guest hosts, Phil Stagall, returns. How are you doing today, Phil?
1: My goodness, it's so great to be back. I've missed my last couple of opportunities to co-host, and I just thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, I also just enjoy listening to the podcast each week, and uh, I'll I'll hear you guys talking about stuff, and I'll spark a memory or something, and, and, and sometimes I'll tweet it out. I said I'll need to talk about. It. I'll be what I do is uh, quite often on Saturday afternoons if we're mowing, I'll be on the mower for a couple yeah. of hours, and I listen to a podcast or two with the earbuds in for ear protection. That's it. and you know one of your great other co-hosts will say something, and it sparks a memory or comment, and I don't write it down right then and I forget. I do have a couple of things to talk about later on, but yeah. You know, so just enjoy all. I I I would do it every time, but then I'd miss getting to hear. Colin and Stuart and Dan and you know all the others. Um, of course, I missed getting be on with Terry last time. Yes, know?
0: Terry's missing. Takes a playoff was- basketball that he's preparing for. So good luck to Terry. So yeah, so it's just- yeah. Uh,
1: our you're one of our regular co-hosts, Coach Terry Canova. His coaches, I'm sure he talked about it, but he coaches, uh, you know, uh, a girl ladies basketball team in high school that made the playoffs. Are doing very, very well. Have a very impressive win loss record. And uh, they got a playoff game uh tomorrow, I believe. Yeah, it is. So, so needs must
0: this- for that. Unfortunately, the UWF U- in 1987 isn't quite as important as uh playoff basketball, so we send our best wishes. Hopefully, by the time this is out, it'll won the whole Perry. thing, maybe. But by- yeah,
1: Terry, you need to get your priorities straight to <laughs> get back on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Absolutely,
0: well, definitely. What what will be really interesting because we're not far away from um. The, the takeover now the crock the the, the the crockett takeover of uh of uwf so we've only got february and march uh, i'm going to try and get eric watts back on in uh in april I've, I've exchanged messages with him and i've mentioned that on air once before and i never usually do mess do mention this sort of stuff on air because i don't want to over promise under deliver but it'd be it'd be great to have you and terry back on for maybe some of the shows post buyout so, so, so sure. sort of may time to see what sure. see what the difference is but in Eric watch a bit. I'll get with Eric. We'll make sure you get him on. Yeah, that that would be great. Just just going back, I mean, jumping forward a bit. But there's there's something right at the start of one of the episodes that we'll we'll talk about. There's obviously a significant thing. But fast forwarding, do you remember when UWF was bought out, and what did, did was it? Uh, and obviously, clearly, back in 1987, Wrestling Observer was around. I don't think the torch was around back then. There were some magazines and stuff. When when, do you, when did you become aware? Because we really are right at the end of this as a what promotion at this point. Do you remember when you became aware right. of this sale? Um, i tell you what. Back then, we weren't
1: privy to all the business aspects. Yeah. Right? We didn't have... Things like TMZ or an owner—you didn't know who the owner was. We had no idea. All through the years, watching Mid South Wrestling that Bill Watts was the owner. We thought yeah, he was announcing, and yeah. on the, you know his his kayfabe role was you know he's on the board, yeah, of director. So really, all these territories—they just disappeared. They just vanished. Or yeah. they changed. Now, obviously, Black Black Saturday. When when Vince McMahon showed up on Georgia Championship Wrestling, we realized something drastic had happened. Yeah, but we weren't there wasn't like an announcement or the day after it happened. We're seeing it on the television news or anything. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's later you start hearing stuff. So it was. was quite different as far as what she knew about
0: the business back then yeah i guess one of the one of the things that may have sprung up and we'll see this is probably some faces and again i'm not sure this would have just thinking about this and if i was watching at the time and i had no access to any 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 outside material at all Mm -hmm. or knowledge i think one of the things that i would have seen but not thought too much about was the the different faces so there's (laughs) going to be some different faces on this show um
2: quickly yes yeah
0: yeah exactly And, and some more of the sort of nwa talent but before we get there, um there's quite a big um you know big announcement. Also, sorry, guys, sorry.
1: Also when these new faces showed up, quite often we didn't realize they were coming from other territories. Yeah, yeah. Now in my area of the country, attending these matches for myself, we were very aware of Georgia Championship and world class wrestling. Uh yeah. world class championship wrestling. If they didn't come from there, um uh, Oh, you they've been on cover
0: one of the magazines or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I guess I, I would be really interested in and in, in knowing if any of the aptor magazines covered this in any detail at all. But again, I guess because they were kayfabe, weren't they, those magazines? So I wonder how I guess there's a way to do it. But well, how you do it, I 90, don't know. I have plenty of magazines from 1987. I'll dig through and yeah, have a I've look found. in um have a look in May what it'd be May, June, or July eighty seven. Cause I'd be really interested to know if there's anything in there that is that is um Related to this, because I wonder how they would put it, but there's a, I guess there's a way to, there's a way to tell this story in a kayfabe way, isn't there? That you know the management of Mid South or UWF, Mid South Sports has changed, and now. Jim Crockett cool. is going to be managing it along with NWA. So I guess they could have done that. So I'd be really interested to know if you if you've got anything on that. I'll be very like screenshots or anything. i will be really fascinated to know because I've got, I've got the observer from that time. Um, but you're only talking about three or four paragraphs and they don't know a lot. They really don't know what a lot about the, the deal or what's going to happen either in terms of the, yeah. you know, the way they'll do the TV afterwards.
1: And at that time I was completely oblivious to the sheets, like, like the observer, you know, I had yeah. no idea those existed, you know, we yeah, yeah. Matches and watch TV and, and, um, uh, talked about it to the friends we knew and hid it from the folks we knew made fun of wrestling.
0: Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, I, and I, I know that for a long time, um, the Observer wasn't – Meltzer couldn't make a full-time living out of that. So in terms of the – um, uh, what do you call it when it's uh, – public – um, parky, circulation is the word I'm looking for. In terms of the circulation of that publication, then that was tiny, like absolutely tiny compared with what it would be, you know – Five or six years or 10 or 15 years later. So yeah, there just wasn't that many sources for these um for these uh for these newsletters. And I think actually, not to make this a history but of the wrestling observer, I think Dave got a job in a, in a in the national newspaper uh, with okay. Frank De, DeFord, um, which was this was, was a sports was it a sports newspaper primarily, or was there news in it as well, do you remember? I didn't see a national newspaper until the USA Today came out. Wow. Okay. Fine. Yeah. So I think he got a job in that and that's how the the newsletter sort of shot off. But anyway, going back to UWF, um, we start our show today with a very rare review of Power Pro Wrestling. I think we've only ever done one Power Pro before. And that was from February the 7th, 1987. Uh, And We went straight in it and got a promo from Bill Watts announcing a one-night tournament for the UWF Tag Team Titles at the Cowtown Coliseum. And the champions had been Hacksaw, Jim Duggan and Terry Taylor. However... Hacksaw had lost a series of loser league town matches against the one man gang in Fort Worth, Kansas, Little Rock, Jackson, Mississippi, and Lassie, Houston. And that was it for Duggan and the UWF. He was yeah. gone to the World Federation, where he debuted on Valentine's Day. This must have been a crushing blow for Watts. Um, you know, Hacksaw, what a star he was. And, you know, what a loss to promotion he would have been at that time. That's the beginning of the end. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Really? Yeah. That's the beginning of the end. This opening here where Bill Watts is. He's that. Uh, we've discussed this before, like when he had broadcast from his home. Duke, uh, this wood paneling was very luxurious back yeah. in the time. This was <laughs> modern. This was very modern. Uh the cow the Cowtown Coliseum, they show pictures of it next to the Fort Worth stockyards, it is still there to this day. Yeah. They still have a rodeo every weekend inside. Wow. It's the first it was the first uh place to ever have an indoor rodeo. Um, and they still have a weekly rodeo. Billy Bob's is next door too, which is billed as the world's largest honky tonk. Wow! Which is okay. Back then, when you go back and listen to country music and, and line dance to country music, that's been and on the that show. Place, that
0: honky, that place, that's been on Mid yes, South absolutely. Television. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, back when he'd have like uh, Jerry Reed on Mid South Wrestling or something, would talk about him, Jerry. And then, um, you know, my first ex- exposure to wrestling uh house shows was at the oklahoma city stockyards and mm-hmm. i don't know but it was just something it was just a totally different atmosphere than what they've evolved into now big shows multiple television cameras everybody's dressed sharp you know and yeah. tuxedos is totally different uh, matter of fact Stephen, I, w- I reminisced this past week as i was re-watching these two episodes now you've been doing the podcast
0: on Miss South for two years. Uh, so it started in oct. It started in December 2019, and that was right. and I started with October 1983. So we're okay. now in February 87. So right. I've done oh. what three and a bit years of te- of television now. Yeah, right. So,
1: but obviously, um, you know, you, you didn't start at the beginning, but it. You're covering sometimes multiple episodes a week, so yeah. I was thinking when I what this this opening scene reminded me when I saw that stockyards, reminded the stockyards I attended. What for for mid south wrestling for the time I started attending, I was too young to drive. I was a mm. young teenager. By the time we get to these episodes we're going to review today, I was married with two children.
0: Wow! Yeah 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 so
1: that was just how much a part of life it was for that long
0: yeah yeah
1: anybody i mean any wrestling that's lasted for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years obviously people started as a child but for me with the the shows we started covering
0: you know i was pretty young yeah yeah
1: just just reminiscing about some things
0: yeah i mean we are we are three and it's three and a half years now isn't it in terms of the really in terms of the just 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 shy three and a half years but it's interesting because we we I've talked about British wrestling a you know a fair amount on the on the podcast. But I guess if you were here in the 70s and 80s, you might have gone sort of monthly to see a promotion of sorts. But I don't really think that you would have had like the home promotion like you guys have with Mid-South and UWF, because the country's so small that they toured everywhere. So we've never had that. So I think that you know, that growing up on with your wrestling, obviously, people in the Carolinas have. Uh, you know NWA and the Flair and all that sort of stuff, and you guys have you know UWF and Watts and all that sort of stuff. That must have been such a thing to have, you know, your wrestling. I can see why people still to this day are so passionate about it because it was a. It was a really good product with loads of with loads of superstars that were kind of homegrown in this in this area, um, right. and also it was it was your thing, wasn't it? So I can, you can't I can't understand why people are still interested in mid south wrestling. Some what are we now? Uh, you know, 37, 36 years on from this, so. It's quite incredible, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. But Duggan, yeah, I think you know DBS is not around for too much longer, and this must have been a you know a really big blow. Um, Ross and Hayes on commentary for this show. Hayes looked like he had, hadn't dried his hair. Do you notice this? Yeah, I think they said this, uh, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, the wet look. Yeah, yeah,
1: that,
0: yeah. yeah, the long wet look. Before,
1: long before Triple H. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we'll, I think we'll see later that he actually dries it at some point during the, during the, during the show. Um, in the ring, we had an announcer I'd never seen before with a lovely rose on his lapel. And he introduced Mike Reed first. Um, this is a joke that's going just for specific part of listeners in the UK. Mike Reed was not Frank from EastEnders. EastEnders is a soap a bit like Days of Our Lives or something like that here that's on BBC One. Primetime still to this day. And he was one of the famous people. So, yeah, the best jokes are always ones that no one gets and you have to explain. Um, he'd be going up against the Mid-South, my least favourite Mid-South wrestler of the moment, and that's the Angel of Death. The Angel of terrible matches. Uh, He was accompanied by Sunshine. Um, He threw some left hands to start off with that were so bad, they made Shane McMahon look like Bret Hart. Uh, And Jim Ross questioned whether Buddy Roberts could get a nice-looking lady to accompany him to the ring during this. And Hayes wasn't sure but did say, well, he has got money. So I thought that was a little bit unkind of Hayes there to not um, you know, big up his friend. Um, the angel of awful wrestling moves won this with a fallaway slam in a few minutes. Uh, and I didn't stop my, I didn't start my stopwatch. So I can't tell you accurately what the, how long this went, but this guy, I don't, I don't see anything in him at all. What did you think of our opener here?
1: Okay. I do got some comments. I wrote down on the
0: angel of death here. <laughs>
1: because uh, Terry uh, at the uh, previous uh, podcast, you asked Terry about him and, of course, both Terry and I have talked about our memories, you know, and for me, some of it is, am I remembering stuff or not remembering stuff from 35 years ago, or am I remembering some things from 15 years ago when I watched all these When you rewatched episodes? it, yeah. Right. But one thing I don't remember is the angel of death. And, and so I thought to myself, if I, uh, if you had asked me to, uh, uh, Few years ago, before we watched these a third time, Phil ne- named the 100 wrestlers you remember on the roster for Mid South. There's probably three on these two episodes. I can tell. you. I don't remember at all. One would be Angel Death.
0: Okay. One, yeah. would, be,
1: one would be Eli the Eliminator. Yeah, yeah, and and one would be Super Ninja. Not that I didn't hear. Them. Remember, I don't remember them being part of the Mid South promotion. Yeah, right. Those three. So he made a he made a. Terry made a comment about uh, the Angel of Death looking like a knockoff uh Steve Austin. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm gonna take and of course he wasn't trying to knock him off, but I mean, this guy is to Steve Austin what Gilbert was to Goldberg. Yeah,
0: yeah. I see what he got. You imagine, yeah. Right.
1: So did you you might notice at the start, he tries to dramatically remove his robe. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets caught in his face. You know, it's yes. almost like the shock master <laughs> falling down, you know. So he couldn't get his robe off his face, but, um, yeah, not uh, can't say I wasn't a fan. I just
0: don't remember him. No, no, I, I, I just, I guess he was big, but he didn't have an incredible look. I, I don't, I don't really get it with this guy. Um, part of ne- what's is let's put the throw the big guys out there, and and then some of them work out, some of them don't. Yeah, I think that's exactly. it. Uh, and obviously watch as well, at this up. time there wasn't, there just wasn't. Um, you know, he had his core of good talent, but I, I've, I've said this on recent weeks that i feel like the top of the card in uwf at this point is strong you've got some good good people in there but when db Ossian and williams are away in japan um and the freebirds might not be on it is quite weak i think the undercard is much weaker than let's say if you went back two years in time and picked a random episode i think there'd be more, the undercard would be stronger and obviously clearly that is Um, you know, resulting of Vince McMahon going national and Crockett going national this time as well. So it wasn't just Vince, it was Crockett as well. So obviously you still have world-class, you know, trying to make ends meet as well. So there's lots of places for wrestlers to go here and lots of ways to make bigger money than I guess you would have done in UWF. Um, Next up, we got an interview with Dark Journey and the new tag team with Chavo Guerrero and the Missing Link. And Chavo said A plus B plus C equals the UWF tag team titles. Now, I wasn't that great at algebra at school, but is that algebra you would recognize? Is that a is that a solid equation there? A plus D plus you know, I,
1: I decided to get out of math and when they added letters to it. Yeah you know. So but I I'm no math surgeon, but I don't think you got it right.
0: No, I don't think that necessarily does uh, equal the tag titles. Um, Ross said, actually, we're talking about Hayes's hair. So Ross said after the break that Hayes had been, had had come back after blow drying his hair, and his hair was back to normal. Then, so why? He must 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 have have shown up late.
1: He must have rolled out of bed late after a late night and
0: and was trying to get ready. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it would have been. Yeah, probably a heavy night. Uh, They cut back to the end of Bad Street match, uh, including Devastation Incorporated getting involved. And then after that, we got a little promo from Hayes and and Odds. We got a little promo from Hayes and Odds. Don't know what I've written there. And then went on to the newcomer, Eli and Wild Bill Irwin. Uh, Irwin cut a pretty good promo here and definitely showed some charisma. Um, Eli had previously been known as Mad Max as part of the Wild Warriors tag team uh, and then was known as Eli the Eliminator in World Class and during a short run in New Japan. Um, he didn't seem to wrestle much after 1987. He only did a handful of shots in 91 for USWA. These is this is one of the guys that you don't don't remember at all. But I yeah, it's just it's, it's not much out there about um about Eli the Eliminator at all. Right. No, right.
1: Yeah. don't remember. Of course, Wild Bill Urban was was um very popular from the WCCW days, so we knew yeah. him very well. Uh and you know, we just we just uh backing up just a little bit, we just saw the best thing about Angel of Death was Sunshine was involved in that match. And then, of course, we just saw Dark Journey. And, of course, she worked with the missing link in the previous promo. It's like they were trying to put female managers with the most unlikely wrestlers. Mm. You know? But then we got, yeah, here's Eli and, and, and while, uh, while Bill Irwin and, and, of course, Bruce Pritchard.
0: Yeah. Right. Yes.
1: Right. Looking like, like he's, I, I think I sent you a message earlier in the week. Look like he's 14 years old, fixing yeah. his first prom, is what, you know.
0: Yeah, And he so, was, he was legitimately very young. I, I don't think he was any older than maybe 21, 22 here, because he got in very, very early, because he was involved in Houston, wasn't he, I believe, to start off with. Yes, Houston wrestling with uh, Paul Bosch, yes. Yeah, so 63, yeah. 73, 83. Okay, so he was 20, he was 20, 23 here, 23, but a very young looking 23. Yeah, uh, I think you know, Hernandez very well, and Paul Boss, yeah. and, and all them
1: they were tight, yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Anything uh, more to add on these promos before we move on to the the next next section? No, just um, uh, you know, Sunshine does that a lot. Yeah, um, she's got some charisma, doesn't she? Definitely, she, she really does. Um, her Speak- and Missy Hyde so much, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of Sunshine, next up we had the displeasure of a Shouty Buddy Roberts promo, along with the aforementioned Sunshine. And I thought Sunshine was so much better than Buddy here. I just thought yes. he looked confused when he wasn't speaking. Uh, and Sunshine warned Dark Journey not to get in her face or mess with the family because if not, curtains. Um, did the hairstyle curtains ever Make It To America was it called that? So in the nineties, we had a hairstyle which was a set, a long center parting, and that was called curtains. Was that a haircut in the states? In I th- I was believe it. it you know, I, I think it. No, on men. I think this was. I think this was a haircut in the '90s in America, but it may not have been known as curtains. I think we did
1: not call it curtains. I can tell you. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I feel like if you went, if you saw like a perhaps sort of NFL or sort of NHL team from the mid '90s, early to mid '90s, with their helmets off, I think you'd have a lot of uh, center parting. Love. I had it as well, which is uh, yeah, wasn't a great, wasn't a great look. Um, I thought Roberts was pretty bad. I'm not a fan of his promos. Anything to add on his um his bit with uh, with Sunshine? No, here?
1: Robert. You, you know, I've watched Roberts for many many years. Uh, seen him in Georgia. Seen him in WCCW. Uh, just always wondered why he was with the other two. I, I yeah. wasn't aware that Buddy had a whole career before um, the Freebirds, but without them, he's seems to be even. Less capable of doing a promo, or yeah, you know, and he's trying to carry it, but that's just my opinion. Um, some people really love to hate the guy, you
0: know. Yeah, I do, I do think, I think there's, there's a thing at the moment in WWE with, and I'm quite, uh, a lot of people have a lot of good things about Paul Heyman, um, and his promos and stuff, and he's involved in the big WWE storyline right at the moment. But I think there's a fine line between disliking a character who's playing a heel and so, so that you, so you're, so you're, you dislike them, but you're invested in the storyline, like in a, like in Game of Thrones or something. You dislike the bad guy character, but you want to know what happens and you want them not to sure. succeed. Right. I think there's a fine line between that and just disliking someone because they're. I don't want to say because they're not very good, but just disliking them because whatever it is in their performance is annoying you, I and mean, that doesn't draw money. The annoying heat, the go away heat, if you like, yeah, yeah. It so doesn't great. doesn't invest you, and I think buddy. Um, is more that side of things, certainly in this. Um, This is a very promo-heavy show, this um, this, uh, power program. And and next, we had Bruce Pritchard, again, looking like he was 14 years old, with Ted DiBiossi who was wearing a lovely two-tone pattern green jumper and Steve Williams, who was also sporting green, uh, but this time in a tracksuit top. Uh, And Ted spoke about his history with Akbar, how he woke up one day and he knew it wasn't the right thing working for him. And Ted said he pinned one-man game for the first time, and the next time the title would be on the line. Uh, we then got a bit of a cut. Um, uh, we then got a grating cut. This yeah, I think it, this cut off in the in the middle, I've just put, we then got a grating cut. This program was a significant uptick in quality. Uh, what did you think of, uh, of Ted, along with Steve Williams and Bruce Pritchard here?
1: Boy, look at these three. You talk about hair. There's a lot of hair. Yeah, somewhere.
0: there is, yeah. I'll
1: point the three of them. There's 25 pounds of hair, you know. <laughs> of course, Ted is is one of the all-time great promo yeah. cutters, you know, no doubt about it. Steve was uh not bad either, you know. So uh if you were a fan of, of uh Steve Williams, which I was obviously, and 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 was a fan of him before he entered wrestling, you know, because yeah. of his football career, then um he couldn't do any wrong either, you know, yeah. the promo. So this was uh one yeah. of the better ones of the
0: one of the better promos of this promo heavy yeah. Sure. I think Williams actually, for, for all of, all I've seen of him, is quite underrated promo wise. Actually, I, th- I think he he is. I think he has a good level of. It reminds me a little bit of early Bret Hart in that Bret people people say about Bret Hart. Oh yeah, you know he found his feet in '97 when he turned heel as on, on promos. But actually, if you pick up a random Steve Williams promo from around this time, it's just a, just. A, I think there's a level of realism about him which I really like. So it's not he's I don't feel like he's trying to play a part he's just speaking as one thing i say a lot on on, on twitter and on shows is i yeah. i want my i want the wrestlers to speak like human beings unless they're playing some ridiculous outlandish yes. character that fits yeah. and steve williams speaks like a baby face wrestler he's not yeah. sucking up to people he's just he's just playing it straight and i i i do like that with him i think i think he's i think he's underrated because no you never hear people talking about you hear people talk about his UWF work and his wars in Japan, but I don't ever want to ever ever hear right. Oh, Williams is actually pretty solid on on this stuff as well. You never really hear that,
1: right? Have we? Did we ever cover this? Is kind of we might have covered this a couple of years ago on the podcast. But at the time, Steve
0: Williams saved some people's lives who were stuck in a car wreck. I think I think we I think it came up because wasn't he a heel on TV at the time, and then he 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 turned. Yeah afterwards maybe
1: he was traveling with rick steiner and i believe it was in louisiana and there's a car wreck and it was on fire and actually i remember the newspaper article saying that the that the folks were probably hunters they had ammunition and so the fire was making the bullets go off yeah and i believe they literally ripped the car door off the car and pulled these people out yeah and that you know that wasn't a
0: kayfabe story you know that actually actually happened yeah yeah and i indeed um, next up, we had Bobby Walker versus the Super Ninja in our second match. Uh, Ninja appeared a few times in 1987 in the AWA and later as Shunji Takano, wrestling until the late 1990s. Um, Bruce Pritchard actually joined Jim Ross for commentary on this. Uh, Walker was wrestling barefoot. Now, I couldn't honestly imagine anything worse than wrestling barefoot. Imagine what would get on your feet walking down the aisle way. Just, yeah, gross. Um, I thought this was a little bit plodding um just a squash but not an overly impressive one with ninja winning with a kind of super kick of sorts in around five minutes uh, what did you think of our second match of the uh of the show here
1: yeah those noticed him barefoot and of course i mean you, you know i didn't think about them walking down uh, oh. the aisle but you know uh kevin van eric did it for kevin done kevin van eric did it for years
0: i know i just i just find it. perhaps i'm a bit ocd about cleanliness but I know in UFC, yep. they obviously fight barefoot, but they wear flip flops down to the ring. So Perhaps that's sure, the answer, no, really. Got, but, right. yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I'm way. sure. Ke- I'm sure Kevin's feet toughened up over the years. But yeah, yeah. I noticed. I noticed that the announcer
1: did not know how to pronounce the word ninja.
0: If you oh, listen, a, he, 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 like he ninja. You. Yeah, I don't. Think, <laughs> I, you
1: know, of course, they were ninjas weren't nearly as popular as they are now. But uh, they referred to his. Uh, uh, kick as a super kick and obviously that uh, was not the super kicks we came to know and love from uh, Shawn Michaels or even Chris no. Adams.
0: You know. No um, it wasn't anywhere near the, the Chris Adams um, Was they it kept, they, uh,
1: during the uh, both of them the, the announcers said more than once and, and maybe on the, the next show too that we don't know anything about the ninja we don't know anything about the ninja he's mysterious but then they they do know he is a master of martial arts, so they're contradicting themselves there a little bit. But, uh, but um, yeah, not much of a match. I didn't think.
0: No, I was just looking up whether Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had started by the time they said. But actually, it was it was later in eighty seven, December fourteenth, nineteen eighty seven, um, as part of a um, five part mini series, uh, and then it and then it began its full time run in October eighty eight. So yeah, we were quite a bit before sort of Ninja was popularized. You know, in the, in the UK, it wasn't called t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because they considered no. nin they considered ninja too violent a word. So we had Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, and every every reference to ninja was changed. Yeah, that is very interesting. Yeah. My kids were
1: huge fans of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, so it was very popular.
0: Yeah, it was uh, huge here. And I think the films were released with that hero title rather than ninja as well. So, yeah, a little, little, little odd thing between the States and the UK on that. Um, where are we? So, Jeff Gaylord was in the ring when we came back. And then we got another promo of in Dr. Death, number one seeds in the tag team title tournament. And they talked about their upcoming match with Eli and Irwin. And Williams said they'd been running down the roads and pumping weights. And both men had plasters on their foreheads. Um, Again, I thought this was fine from Williams, and DiBiase took over, and his voice was like a comforting silk. Uh, What did you think about this second promo from uh, Dr. Death and DiBiase here?
1: You know, the note I wrote down here was that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, DiBiase and Williams were on the show the two best performers and also the two best in promos um, of anybody. I got some note about DiBiase was speaking for the people. I'm not sure what... (laughs) I'm trying to make... Okay, I did make some notes. Can't make uh, header tell them. Don't worry. So, so.
0: right. Sometimes I write because I, I tend to watch these quite far in advance. Because I'll, if I've got some time, I'll watch as much stuff for future podcasts. And sometimes, when I, sometimes when I get back to it, I really remember it. I can remember this going through it. Then I'll have a line I just don't understand at all, and it's usually because of my bad English. So yeah, it just it just is what it is. Um, Ross said on commentary before the match between Gaylord and Dvrsy that they had. A lot of letters coming in complaining as to why they didn't have more technical matches on the show. This is a theme that we've had over a number of episodes recently. Uh, and this was going to satisfy those people. This match was going to satisfy those people that had written in and said, we want more technical matches. Um, Jeff had long tights on for the first time, I can recall. And Bruce Pritchard said that no one would have to worry about any rule breaking in this match. Uh, and Ross also mentioned that the show at the Cowtown Coliseum would be broadcast live in one of the mo- local markets. which so I found really shocking. Do you have any memory of this at all in terms of a proper UWF event being broadcast on television?
1: No. And if anything broadcast from um, the Palace or the t- t- Cowtown Coliseum, I would not have seen it in my would been Houston,
0: I guess, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have been, yeah. uh,
1: Fort, I believe it was Fort Worth. Fort Worth, yeah. Fort Worth, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we probably would not have got it. The only yeah. thing we would have got out uh, that was live would have been like ABC's Wild Bull or Sports or something like that. Right, okay. As,
0: okay. Because actually thinking about it back then, apart, apart from things like the MSG network and things like this, and I, and I wonder how could you even got the MSG network in Oklahoma in eighty seven? Would that have been available on some very very early cable systems? I'm not, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm not, I'm not one hundred percent sure. I guess it, I guess it would the availability would have been fairly slim if it was. Yeah, I don't remember it at all. No, but there just wasn't that much. If you look at the eighties. uh until the kind of latter part of the time. There just wasn't that much live wrestling. And, and WWF, if you read anything around kind of um, uh, newsletter reviews of some of their early pay-per-views, they consistently had problem with time times and going over time on things. And that was a thing that would run into the 90s because they weren't – it's not like today. Like, WWF produced five – or WWE produced five hours of live television every week, whereas they wouldn't – they probably wouldn't do five hours of television in a year back then. Uh, live television, certainly. Um there was a very messy exchange after four minutes in the match where I, I don't know what quite what they were doing here. I thought Jeff sort of lost his way a little bit while they were trying to do a spot. Uh, and DiBiase right. won with an inside cradle in five minutes. Um, a lot of this was kind of headlocks. I didn't think the crowd knew what to do. It's kind of, I guess, babyface versus babyface wasn't a thing that probably happened too much. Um, they shook hands afterwards as well. Um, this It's always great seeing Ted DiBiase around this time, but I was a little bit underwhelmed by this match. What did you make of uh, Gaylord and DiBiase here?
1: Well, there was, um, there would be times, and, and and Stephen, if you remember about a month or so ago, you sent me a match to watch. Yes,
0: I did. I, yeah, I wondered if that was going to come up. Yeah. You
1: say the names for me. Uh,
0: it, it was Will Ospreay versus Kazuchika Okada from the G1 climax final right. in August, I think it would have been. Yeah. And, and I enjoyed it very much. Yep. Uh,
1: at the time I'm watching it, I had the memories. This reminds me of times when we'd have what we considered purely scientific matches back in the pro wrestler days. Yeah. I think they would have these type of matches occasionally to prove the point that this is just a, a, a sporting competition and it's yeah. legit and it's real. And so not everybody's going to be in a hot feud. Yeah. Right. Not everybody's your rival. And sometimes you're, you're going to pair faces together or heels against each other. It was a, it was rare that we'd have scientific matches. I tended to enjoy, I tended to enjoy them, especially if you had somebody that was really good with many different kinds of holds and submission holes and things yeah. like that. So as I watched the, the, the match you sent me, I kind of had, it's got the modern day feel of our old scientific yeah. matches, you know, and it was a good match. Yeah. Yeah. And- and the
0: interesting <laughs> thing with that is that they didn't, two things, they could, they, the crowd couldn't cheer, but Osprey, who was kind of the heel, wasn't really healing it up because the story is that osprey can't beat okada so but he's but he's beaten him in a ch- cheating way but he's kind of trend you know like uh, people you know i'm sure of had this you know that kind of period where someone's transitioning from a heel to a baby face yes but they're not yes. quite there yet so that's exactly yeah. kind of what it was because he was playing that straight up so yeah that that what that was in a you know 2022 way i.e scientific clean no cheating match wasn't it basically and, yeah and, yeah
1: and very close to pinning, you know get the two and a half count 50 yeah, times
0: exactly you know, yeah. <laughs> like,
1: so, like he kept trying he wasn't going to give up yeah the, the scientific matches that we tend to enjoy more of course obviously you're not nobody's going to get any heat and the crowd's not going to get riled up however if you got one of them that is very athletic and could jump off the top rope for athletic for the back in that day
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: you know if somebody was a, what they called the high flyer you know that would be exciting that you got to see them pull off their moves you yeah. know so so you throw those in occasionally to add
0: legitimacy to the show yeah, yeah. I, I don't i don't mind it. i think i think again it's it's um it's, it's place and time isn't it in terms of maybe they would have liked to have seen debiocity just beating down on a heel and they weren't really sure And they probably quite like jeff as well but you know, th- things, um, you know, things are different as time goes on. Uh, next up, we had Buddy Jack Roberts versus The Missing Link. And Buddy was accompanied by the angel of atrociousness, the angel of death, Michael <laughs> Hayes, Sunshine and Terry Gordy. Um, the Missing Link was out with Dark Journey as normal. And Journey was concerned with the numbers in the ring. And Link was beaten down by this crew before the match could start. And eventually, after what seemed like quite a while, DBRC, Williams and Guerrero made the save. And Ross called it a pre-medita- premeditated gang attack. Um, again, this didn't do a lot for me because I feel like there's a bit of an ongoing theme at the moment of promoting stuff and not delivering it. Now, I do understand that we're in a different space and time here because, um, you know, they're, they're, they're pri- you know the, the, the job of a wrestling company in 87 was to drive the live live attendance. So a t- the television show is an advertisement. You don't give everything to the TV show. But I do think there's probably different ways to, to, to get there. And I wouldn't have minded so much if they'd given us two or three minutes of the match. Then had the beat down. But I think if you're a kid at home, probably pestering your parents who are you're an, you're an old you know, uh, you know, adolescent or in your 20s or 30s, if your favorite wrestler's on the TV, you want, you're like, oh, okay, they've advertised DB or whoever, I want to see that. And then you don't get it, I think that gives you a bad feeling, not a I wanna buy, I desperately want to buy a ticket feeling. I think, I think, yeah, I mean it's maybe sometimes it can give you that, but I'm I'm not too sure about this as a promotional tool what do you think of this whole sort of angle and, and what are your thoughts on that in terms of, you know, what, do, what I think personal issues drive people to box office rather than swervy sort of things. What, what do you think?
1: Well, um, I don't, I don't, that um, I read somewhere you might've wrote something about the bait and switch, you know? yeah. Um, um, of course, if you're a young kid and it, and it doesn't get shown, it might maybe it'll make you just want to see it all that much more.
0: Maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe,
1: but, but they, that would not, that wasn't their intent. Um, and of course, Terry mentioned on a previous podcast, you know, when a wrestler botches a move, it's okay. Because, um, just like with any, um, player in any other sport, sometimes you mess up. Yeah. You know, Yeah, and and that means it's real. So, Here, uh you know they're in obviously in a huge transition in the sport of wrestling at this time with all that's going on around the country and you know you get maybe too many run-ins or or, so i just think they're 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 obviously struggling now looking back now that we know now yeah yeah they're they're struggling with the story writing some yeah but yeah uh, i don't i don't think anybody was really too disappointed yeah because overall they love the entire product
0: yeah. Uh, Ross called the situation a fiasco back from break. And then he said what we hadn't seen was 15 minutes of action while the show was being taped. He said, DBS and others stayed in the ring wanting the free birds and Ross said they've condensed what happened, uh, but Joel Watts did record it. And we got a key that said edited highlights from a few moments ago. Uh, Ted got on the mic and said the free birds were always backstabbing and double teaming people. He said he wanted the free birds right here and right now. And he stood with link Williams and Guerrero and dark journey was there as well. Ted said they could stop production of the TV show until the Freebirds came back out there. Uh, Link was busted at some point in the earlier exchange, and Ted shouted that if Sunshine got in, they'd take her too. Um, unfortunately for all of us, someone who I, who I don't like all that much came down to ringside, um, uh, and I'm, you know we know who we're talking about, the matchmaker. Ted told him he was sick of the Freebirds, telling everyone how great and how bad they were. He said they were staying there until the Freebirds came back out. Um then the matchmaker left ringside, thankfully, and a sign in the crowd read, Texarkana needs a dock. Uh, then we saw a kid with his face painted in the style of The Missing Link, which was a nice touch. The Freebirds right. were then... Sh- yeah, really nice that was. The free birds then were shown edging towards the ring. Sunshine was first and she told them to wait a minute. She'd been to college. She, she told them to listen and called Ted a big mouth chihuahua, which is a word that's absolutely impossible to spell. Um, Ted said they'd seen the true colors of the three birds, and they made a point, and that would leave they would leave because the birds absolutely wouldn't be getting in the ring. Um, in the future, it would be three on one coming out of the other dressing room. I thought this was set up in a little bit of a confusing way, in because yes. the, the way it's a TV tape, and so why I don't I don't know. But anyway, regardless, I thought this was a pretty nice segment. What did you think of it? I mean, a bit different as well, wasn't it, in terms of. Yeah, no, and not presenting this right happening at the moment, yeah. and yeah, so yeah, how what do you think of it all? But reviewing it a couple of
1: times, and and then what you mentioned, it kind of seemed to be a, maybe started off earlier with you know the bait switch, it was confusing, and then Jim Ross coming back and saying it was a lot of chaos, and yeah. then they're going, they've cut, they've edited and they've cut it. I wonder if it got so bad for them that they they actually. Uh, had to edit this and they're saying hey we're showing you what happened when you we weren't here but they had to cover what really ha- i mean it must have fallen apart the wheels the wheels came off the bus legitimately and now they're trying to cover their tracks right yeah
0: maybe or it went or that and it went long or whatever it well, was. they couldn't fit it in with the whole thing so maybe that's why they did it yeah that sounds like, yeah, a, re- the- like a really good uh sort of explanation for it certainly the wheels kind of came
1: off the bus and they had to cover their tracks there. And so they, and are we, we're not using the matchmaker's name. Is that what I picked up on here?
0: You can, you can. I just, yeah, I, anyway, yeah.
1: you know, he added nothing. he walked out and looked and listened. He didn't say a single word as far yeah. as I remember. He really no. didn't, didn't add anything like he had a couple of times in the years gone by. So I think they were all kind of confused as to what they need to be doing. And they're waiting as a put where you got a match with just two people and you got one guy calling all the moves. Mm. something happened here nobody's calling anything
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah uh, so it got confusing yeah and so big mouth uh chihuahua maybe at that time i believe we had the famous television commercial mascot for the taco bell uh, okay chain. yeah Do you remember the dog do you remember the child oh no we,
0: we've only had taco bell here for probably five years so yeah it's not yeah
1: Back then, there's a dog running around and he'd say, Yo quiero Taco Bell. The little dogs I made mean, the real dog, you know, but that they're a little bit. And after the, it, it got pulled for being too racial.
0: Oh, dear. Okay. Yeah. You
1: got, yeah. Uh, uh, having the Chihuahua dog representing Mexican food, I don't know. Uh, and, and shortly after, somebody, one of the announcers, made a reference to Jimmy the Greek. Do you, do you hear that? And do you know Oh, that yeah, was? I
0: did hear that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know who Jimmy the Greek was? Uh, remind me, because I've heard this expression, but I can't remember what it what it relates to. Jimmy the Greek, uh, and I can't remember his real name off
1: the top of my head right now, but it was a very Greek name. He was, back when we just had, like, the three major networks showing NFL football, he was one of the main analysts pre-game, post-game. He was one of the, one of the top announcers, And um, so everybody just called him Jimmy the Greek. He probably came out of the betting world when it was the sports gamble. It was probably a very seedy, dark kind of, right. But then he made it to national prominence as Jimmy the Greek. And and he could kind of set the lines and say, I think, you know, this team will win by 10 or more today. Well, then he at one time shortly, probably, they wouldn't have mentioned Jimmy the Greek, I don't think, after he made this comment. Jimmy the Greek made a – a racial comment on national television one time, and he lost his job. And that was my, one of my first introductions to uh, being very aware of what you're saying that might offend someone else. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. But he mentioned I
1: didn't know if uh, anybody in in the UK does the break, I know he got quite a few co hosts and listeners
0: outside the United States. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah this this was uh, as we, as we sort of said, like it was just an interestingly done. Segment, but I, as you said, I wonder whether it was interestingly done because of you know, some, limi- yeah, some, yeah. some limitations or or overrun or whatever. Uh, next up, we had Eli the Eliminator and Chavo Guerrero. Chavo was accompanied by Ted DiBiase, who attacked Billow and at ringside, and this immediately broke down into a four way brawl. Um, this went on quite a long time and was another bait and switch, uh, without the match yeah. as promoted. Uh, and Chavo yeah. was somehow given the match, um, which I, I don't really get. What do you think of this? Uh, again, just more of the more of that kind of
1: confusion going on. Not much of a not much of a match. It seemed anything wasn't really planned out. You know, um,
0: wasn't was the 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 typical good stuff we're used to on this no. show. For sure. No, um, the show went off the air with a three birds promo with Hayes saying they were the meanest and best family in pro wrestling. He said they were odds on for the UWF tag team titles. He added that if it came down to the Freebirds versus Freebirds, they split the titles and each team would take one belt. I thought this was solid stuff from the Freebirds, as you'd expect. Uh, we also got Charbo along with Dark Journey talking about the tag team titles. Journey said she's sure Missy would be on the outside for their match and she'd take care of them if she needed to. Chavo said he had an unusual partner, but he was unusual himself and had a common goal. Uh, he then said some stuff in Spanish, uh, but alas, I cannot translate uh, anything to add on these two promos?
1: No, Michael Hayes, I was good as always. Uh, yeah,
0: indeed. Always good. Uh, Ross, Pritch- uh, Ross and Pritchard then signed off the show talking about the Freebirds and all the mismatches. Ross said the tag team tournament would start the following week on Power Pro. And Pritchard predicted Williams and DBS he would win it, whereas Ross thought he that one of the Freebirds teams would win it. I don't know whether this is because it's Power Pro Wrestling rather than the other show. This was just there for me. I thought the DBOC segment sort of saved it. Uh, but as I said, I've kind of had enough for the bait and switch stuff. Uh, so what did you, before we move on to the main television show from the week afterwards, what did you think of this uh, episode of Power Pro from February the 7th, 1987?
1: Yeah, I got a couple of thoughts on it here. Um, did, did, at the end there, was this the, the scene where Michael Hayes, again, called Dark Journey, Dark Scuzzball? Was that...
0: Oh, um, uh, no, I don't think it was. uh, uh, uh the
1: p- p- previous was week on maybe-
0: there. Yeah, I think it was the previous week, yeah.
1: You know, Michael Hayes gets away with saying some stuff back then that he certainly couldn't say today. Yeah. And I was listening to one of your recent podcasts where he mentioned, you know, the broads are wrestling. Yeah. Yes. It's like, Oh my gosh. Oh, the
0: the, uh, ladies lumberjack match. Crikey. Yeah. 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 But you know, here
1: we we have a show, a a pretty good show. You know, we got Ted DiBiase and, and um, Steve Williams and, and uh, three birds and other things, but here they pulled off the show. That was pretty good, with a pretty good roster. But here's some folks that are on the roster didn't even appear. Terry Taylor, Iceman yeah. King Parsons, Rick Steiner, Sting, right? Hot Stuff and Missy, and the Fantastics. Yeah. That's a whole other roster unto itself. That's how much star power they had, you know, back then. And um, it was going off, I believe that was the episode that had some David David Bowie music playing.
0: Oh, did they? I, don't yeah. know, I didn't. Didn't I, I didn't think there was David Bowie? Uh, Ellen made a comment because as
1: I was watching it on my television, there's a television commercial, and it played some David Bowie music. Oh, you yeah. know, ah, so okay. had a lot of a lot of staying power. But uh, yeah, so fair show. It was a fair show. You know, yeah. because of the confusion there. Obviously, some going through some grown pains or some end of the day pains.
0: Yeah, I think that what we're going to get next is better. So moving on to the UWF television show from February the 14th, 1987. It's the Valentine's Day show from the Universal Wrestling Federation, which started with the highlights of a match between Sting and Eddie Gilbert and the fantastic that we hadn't seen. Uh, It ended with Sting pinning Fulton after a Gucci bag shot behind the referee's back. Uh, And this was back to the regular show. So why was the tag team tournament not on this show? Why was it on Power Pro? Can you think of any reason why they would do it on that?
1: You know, I don't. I don't know uh, unless they get more of their confusion going on. Of course, it wasn't the. Of course, we mentioned before this is when. Duggan didn't Duggan. They had a lose or leave town match, right? Yeah, that's it, like, yeah, that's uh, right.
0: Yeah. Okay,
1: so. I'm. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah. Up first, we have Mike George, uh, who looked tremendously pleased to be there, uh, tagging with the legend Art Cruz. And they were going up against Ice making Parsons and Chava Grow. And this was taped in your neck of the woods at the Myriad. So I wondered if you might have been there in early February 87 for this uh, this television taping.
1: You know, I know I attended some in 87 mm. uh, at the Myriad, where we would, that would be the only place uh, very close. This one very far from me at all. Um, I don't, I don't remember being at this particular show. Like yeah. some of the other who reviewed, there are new ones at them because they're, um, I know for sure that, um, you know, like in 85, 86, we made sure they, they always had um, New Year's Eve night. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, so about seven to 10 on New Year's and then we was downtown for, for New Year's Eve. So, I mean, it's possible I was at this one because I did attend a few that year. Uh, but, yeah, my memory is it's not gonna. Not
0: gonna no, I can't expect I, I can't expect to pick, be able to pick this out at the time of uh, how long ago it is. Um, Mike George, I thought looked like a like a really great father-in-law, like jolly, happy, great to have yeah. a beer with, but he'd absolutely rip your face off if you upset his son or daughter. So I thought this is this guy had father-in-law written all over him. Uh, Chavo won with a springboard crossbody in two fifty-five after Iceman hit. The bum to the face. Uh, this was decent, fun. I thought, and the crowd liked it. What did you think of our opener here?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, Mike George, he had a run in, in mid south, in early mid south.
0: Oh, did know. he? Okay, yeah,
1: yeah. Before he started doing shows, he'd been there and he'd been around the country. Uh, never a headliner, mm. uh, but I remember as a as a small child visiting Tulsa, watching their wrestling. It seems like I remember him wrestling in uh, the Kansas City uh, area, and. He had a – I can remember before I, I, I was smartened up and I saw him got, you know, injured, and it, it really bothered me as a kid. You oh, know, really? Yeah. I yeah, yeah or something, yeah. George. So I had memories of Mike George, but, yeah, um, good worker. Absolutely a good worker, yeah. Yeah, this is
0: good fun. Uh Next oh, up, he had a, He had
1: a nickname. At one time, he had a gimmick in Mid-South. The Timekeeper. I'm just coming oh, okay. back to him. What was that about? The timekeeper? Maybe he guaranteed in a match and so much time or something, but he had a nickname, Timekeeper Mike George. I'll have to check into that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, have a look. Uh, so, Gary Young versus Housewife's favorite, Terry Taylor, was next. Uh, Ross again talked about fans writing in saying they wanted scientific matches. And, and we got another babyface versus babyface contest here. Uh, There's a nice sign in the crowd that read DBossi should be heavyweight champion. Um, as the camera caught what Ross called a very attractive fan with her camera, uh, he also added, perhaps uncut... This is this is bad, actually, talking about stuff that you wouldn't say now. He added uh, that she'd have to get a wide-angle lens out for the one-man gang later. Very, very, very bad, uh, Jim Ross. Uh, and interestingly, the direction here was definitely to pick young women out of the crowd. And this has been a thing in sports that lots of... I mean, you get this in tennis now. If you're watching the French open or the, uh, especially the French open, the, the, the directors are terrible. They're all over women in the crowd. And I don't know whether this is a thing to promote that they wanted, you know, girls to come out and see the shows. And it was like, a, I don't know, but that's, this was definitely a thing on this show that I can't remember them doing before, but I think feel like sports have always done that to a certain extent, haven't they? For the rights they've and wrongs done, of it. Yeah.
1: They've always done that. They'll zoom in on somebody. They, they, um, other, I can remember now as I rewatch other wrestling promotions. Certainly, the the AWA and some they'll, they'll do it quite often. But you yeah. know, uh, the famous, um, the world famous movie uh Star Baywatch, Pamela Anderson. Yeah, she was found. She they put her on screen. She was attending a Canadian
0: Football League game. Oh, was she? Okay, and that's and how was she was discovered. Her, yeah, yeah, and they discovered that's how she was discovered. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So, um, pretty sure in the finish, Young did a leapfrog, but Taylor ran straight past him and wasn't supposed to. And then he hit the forearm for the pin in just over four minutes. And Young also kicked out right on the Uh, three Uh, pound. Sorry, go on, Stephen.
1: That's the five arm. Didn't they call it the
0: five arm? Oh, I don't five arm. Got, I, I, don't, I call
1: it, like that was the name of the move. They called it
0: the five arm because oh, it's so don't much
1: know. harder than four arm. Oh right, I, okay. The,
0: I've never heard that before. Did they actually call that this on the that this? Did they call it that on the on the TV here? I think they
1: did. Or ah. maybe I'm just remembering that the five arm. The five I'll,
0: arm. I'll, I'll, I can tweet it out to you. I really wondered what Young was doing here because he kicked out right on the three count. And that was like Hogan Warrior from ninety or if you w- want to go a little bit further back, like when Hogan beat Iron Sheep for the title in 84, so he literally kicked out right on the three counts, almost like protect himself. Um, I thought this was okay. Um, but the in the Babyface match, they seem to have a lot of holds rather than sort of going at each other. That seems to be kind of a style of this. What did you think about um, Young and Taylor here?
1: Yeah, uh, another scientific match, but Terry Taylor is serving his purpose to be the eye candy. You know, <laughs> yes for anybody, male or female, but you know, he's serving his his purpose for that.
0: It's just, yeah. Um, so yeah. He's such a I don't know if wet is wet weekend uh um phrase in America, wet weekend. So like wet weekend, if you describe someone as a wet weekend, they're just a bit wet, and a bit like ugh. and like Terry Taylor and his promos comes off as like, oh, I just don't want to upset anyone and I'm gonna do the right yeah. thing. And I'm like, how can you get behind that? Like I couldn't be t- right. I think I think that would you would you did you ever go through a stage of like booing some of the baby faces when you went to some of these shows? Like if there's a baby face, you didn't like,
1: Yeah. There's some I just didn't buy into, Yeah, you know, there's sounds like, you know, no, get me somebody that's got, got to have some excitement to them or something, yeah. you know? And, and I think, uh, in, in the, in another, another territory, uh, well, the WCCW, I think some of the younger Von Eric brothers kind of had that. Yeah. So, you know, whereas David was, Full blown excitement in your yeah. face, get shouty, beat you up, and the other couple that you know, you know not not carry Kim, but The other no. younger brothers would be kind of like Terry, you know, when do the right thing,
0: yeah, you know, yeah, hold up the
1: family name, you know, and, and so weren't real exciting, you know, didn't yeah. have the hit factor.
0: I could see myself definitely booing Terry Taylor in uh, in eighty seven. Um, Next up, a promo with Williams along with Pritchard talking about the main event match against Gordy in Williams's hometown. He said when he got in the squared circle, he'd find out how tough he was. He added it was going to be a fight in Oklahoma and that he was going to can him. Um, This was good from Williams. Uh, And then they cut to Gordy and he said it was more than a battle. It was going to be a fight. Williams had cost him a lot, cost him a lot of money and cost him a lot of pain. And the title, the biggest title in pro wrestling. He called him a boy and he was going to get him. I thought this was great. And I was really excited about the main event after these promos. What did you think of Williams and Gordy here?
1: Oh, absolutely. Top of the line. Uh, promos for for then, you know, exciting. You wanted to see it, you wanted to see these two,
0: yeah,
1: pick it up. And this one actually delivers, you know, yeah, this one
0: definitely. Delivers. Uh, so Ross reviewed the or, or through to the Power Pro segment with the free birds we've just reviewed. So we'll skip past that to an interview with Devastation Incorporated. Akbar said things were hot and heavy, and debusé was learning the difference between men and boys. He said the UWF tag team titles belong to them, and they're going to show everyone that the UWF is theirs. Owen said it got hot in the kitchen for Duggan, so he's gone, which is a really interesting line. Um, he then said, D- debut De- De- he then said D-B-O-C, but corrected himself to say "Debussy," which was hilarious. Uh, One man gang shouted that they had the heavyweight title, and it's just a matter of time until they had the tag titles. Akbar told Debussy they had they'd get a seat for him on the plane right next to Duggan which, again, what an interesting line, foreshadowing something that's going to happen later in 1987. Uh, this was great. And I must be honest, I like the shots at Hacksaw here because I feel like this is what they should be doing when someone's left. So what did you think of Devastation Incorporated here?
1: You know, listening to this this interview here when he mispronounces the name, you all had, uh, I believe, again, it's probably you and Terry on one of yours had talked about him mispronouncing the name.
0: He does it deliberately, doesn't he, for, for his reaction, I presume. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you why I think so. I was tweeted this to you. He spoke. Now, of course, he's a uh, his character that he's playing is someone from the Middle East. Yeah, who did not grow up speaking English. Hmm. Obviously, he's now we know who exactly he was and yeah. was an American man. But not only is he now speaking his second language, he's pronouncing a French name.
0: Right. Well, okay. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Of course, he's not going to be able to pronounce it correctly if he's from the middle east right i think it's part of the character i don't yeah. think he's trying to i don't think he's trying to mispronounce it make you think that this middle east man i'm going to mispronounce your name on purpose as a dig as a kayfabe dig it is that's how i talk yeah I'm i just it was,
0: it was so funny that erwin did it as well to so sort of side with act Ak- michael that was <laughs> such a such a such a great line it was so good uh, one man gang was in action next against johnny west and he dispatched him in 90 seconds and at the end ted dibiossi turned up in a ring at ringside in a lovely white track suit um akbar and his crew offered him the opportunity to come in ted took his time as steve williams came out for support and dibiossi put on the brass knuckles and, and terry taylor also joined the baby faces and um, the crowd loved this and the heels scarpered when Debussy, williams and taylor hit the ring um, and I really like the way they patiently built this uh, rather than all the faces rushing out together. Uh, what did you think of this little uh, little match with the one-man gang and the post-match angle? I'll
1: tell you what. Um, I like to, to remind people people who might have not started watching wrestling until the, till the 2000s, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of big men, you know. Yeah. Uh, but when we're seeing one-man gang... Or even King Kong Bundy at that time, there had never been wrestlers like Tugboat or Earthquake or Yokozuna. You know, we had not. Now, Haystacks Calhoun it was just finishing his career off in the 80s, but we weren't. We didn't see Haystacks Calhoun. To see somebody the size of the one man gang, where you had not seen a whole bunch of wrestlers that big in your, yeah. in your area it was just very impressive. And you just wondered if anybody could beat somebody that size. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because we hadn't been exposed to all the national shows yet. And then as we got into the later years, all the really big wrestlers. Yeah. uh, Yeah. You know, that that come along. So one man gang was was quite the novelty. Um, I'm going to ask your, your folks that are listening to the podcast that were kids back in the day, back at this time, if they remember the action figure called Johnny West, um, we just saw the wrestler Johnny West, which is yeah. also his name, right? So, when I was uh, about 10 years before this would have been made, maybe, uh, no, it would have been around mid 70s, there's an action figure, 12 inch action figure, similar to a GI, 12 inch GI Joe action figure that was a cowboy with a horse and and then other characters, but he was Johnny West. This Johnny West that's on this wrestling show would have been about the same age. I'm just wondering if he would, you know, pick his name off. Of... Yeah, no, obviously, yeah. He no good. And he obviously had no wrestling ability whatsoever um, <laughs> getting squashed that quick. But that was a squash and a
0: half right there. Yeah, but, you know, one man game was
1: just very, very impressive.
0: Jeff the Body Rates was out next, and we got a look at the new UWF top 10, which I'm afraid I did not note down. Did you note down the top 10?
1: You know what? I did not, but I uh, no, yeah. don't worry.
0: I know Savannah Jack was, was what was what two, and then the you, and then, uh, gang one man game was
1: one. I did make note that they uh, had the top 10 contenders, so it'd be 11. So Michael P.A. P.H. Michael P.S.A.'s was uh, six, Terry Gordy was four. I'm just scrolling through some things. Hmm. Uh, of course, one man game was the champion. And before that, that, let's see, I can tell you right quick. Um, Steiner is nine, King Parsons was eight, uh, Travel Guerrero, seven, yep, and then Michael PSA's, which we mentioned, and then in the fifth spot was Terry Taylor, interesting. Um, uh, Terry Gordy, Dr. Death, Steve Williams was number three, coming in number two is Ted DiBiase, yeah, so, and then Savannah Jack
0: because he was TV Savannah, champion, yeah, Savannah
1: Jack was the TV champion so obviously yeah. he's the number one contender. So, yeah. yeah,
0: which they don't ever really feud the TV. Cha- well, well, I haven't seen too much of that. They didn't really ever feud the TV champion, I didn't think. But um, in this match, uh, basically, so it's Jeff rates and Super Ninja. I thought it was a couple of iffy moments. It didn't seem to gel too much. Uh, and Super Ninja, again, won in 304 with, again, his sort of super kick, but not, as you said, not a Chris Adams or Shawn Michaels super kick. What did you think of rates and Super Ninja?
1: Well, um, as we talked about the last show, he wasn't very memorable to me mid-south I don't remember from there and of course you know does get in a a fairly solid kick I think on this one um Mm. what but what passed for super kick back then was was nothing like today I noticed at the end of the match when they went to commercial Mm. they played a little Chinese type music that you know (laughs) so they're always playing up the um the different culture (laughs) angles yes
0: yeah um uh next up bobby walker who had a lovely 80s perm did you have a perm back in the 80s phil
1: i never had a perm never had Um, a perm never had a perm um that was of course they're probably quite expensive in the day i did have a lot of thick hair back in the day didn't let it get really long till much later in life but Mm. uh, i knew a lot of females that had the perm yes
0: perm. yeah it's funny. I'm sure. I'm sure that you, you have the same thing. But if you look back at the the, uh, the thing that was big here in the eighties, and nineties, I think it still took big to a certain extent. Is is uh, soccer or football sticker books? So you'd get, and these, I guess, I guess in the states, it's more uh, cards, isn't it? Like baseball trading cards and that sort of thing. So we we had stickers that you'd put in a book and collect them. Yeah. But if you see, you see lots of photos of these famous footballers from the 80s, and they've all got, well, not all of them, but lots of them have yeah. got perms. Yeah. Just like yes. you think, yeah, none of them had naturally curly hair. You think, like, what, what are you doing? Um, then again, I did bleach my hair blonde in the, in the 90s, which is another another phase that a lot of us went through. Um, Bobby Walker was going up against Sting. Uh, Walker was barefoot and hit a great drop kick uh, in the early going before running straight into Sting's foot and taking a very exaggerated bump, uh, which was the theme throughout Mr. Walker's selling. And um, Sting won with a fist drop in the middle rope in 55 seconds. He also hit an incredible looking suplex. And I thought this was great. What do you think of Sting and, uh, and Walker here?
1: Yeah, he he got a really good uh, drop kick in with those bare feet. I mean, it was solid on the chair. Wasn't one of those where they barely touched. No, no, no. no. Touched somebody. I mean, he got in a, a solid kick. And, you know, Missy looks so great at ringside. they are sure to put her on the side of the ring where the camera can always have her. You know. But not no. only does she look great, she does a great job. She you does know, yeah. with, when she's talking, whether it's on, on the mic or not. So it's good to see. Um, um, and I wasn't a huge hot stuff fan. He was one of those you love to hate, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, um, he is what
0: Buddy Roberts hoped to be. Yes. You know? Does that make yeah. sense? Uh, we talked about Buddy Roberts. One hundred percent. Yeah, know. I think you're into the Eddie Gilbert storyline because he's a good heel, and you want to see him get his comeuppance. And I think that's right. the difference, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. the difference. I, just
1: want, I don't care if Buddy Robert. I just want Buddy Roberts to go away.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want, exactly. want
1: half-stuff to get in there and get his comeuppance, like you said, right? Yeah, definitely. But, uh, and then, then you know, Missy coming in, in in the in the dress, looking so sharp and elegant. And, the court Sting uh, just does a super athletic job with everything he does. He's never
0: disappointed, I don't think, ever in a match in his no. life. No, and he's about to have an incredible couple of years coming up, Sting. Uh, quick yep. interview with Terry Taylor along with Pritchard. Taylor said he felt like 86 was his best year in wrestling. He had a great time, and now 97 is going to be even better. And in 1987, he thinks he's going to refine his style and maybe change a few things. He wants to be top of the heap, and then he talks about Jim Duggan being tag champion. So I guess this promo must have been taped out of order um, because I'm pretty sure these are fillings oh. for shows where they're airing, uh, this television show but without live matches so it's a bit of a weird one so in your area for example i think these would be promoting the live shows but this might have been i don't know chicago so where they're not they're not doing a live show so we've had we've talked about this a little bit before um we also got an insert of mac bar talking about debusa again and lovely shadow of the again i wonder whether this was and i think there might be something with taylor so i don't want to spoil it but i wondered if this was foreshadowing a heel turn for taylor or whether this was just kind of something he made up and it didn't have much, much additional meaning to it really.
1: Right. When I, when I re-listened to it just now, obviously my mind turned there. Oh, they're, um, they're setting up for a hill turn or something, yeah. you know, but otherwise this, this interview is just more of what more of the same from Terry Taylor hadn't changed for years. He involved at yeah. all. So it's just, you know, kind of boring, but now, again, he's serving his purpose for those who are infatuated with him you know there's certainly he's certainly a draw for some yeah indeed you know? um, but where it's just kind of more of the same over and over um that yeah didn't 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 didn't
0: light my fire anymore i can tell you that yeah no <laughs> no indeed so next up the main event and this felt like a big one terry Gordy with sunshine versus steve williams ross said it was unusual that there weren't more free birds at ringside for this one Williams got a great reaction from the crowd. He chanted, oh, you, oh, you. He was out to his usual ball in the USA. And this was one full television time remaining. But alas, there was just over eight minutes of that left when this one started. Um, They took a break after three minutes and 50 seconds and came back to Gordy on top. And Williams was busted wide open. And the crowd was electric by this point, For Williams back dropping out of a pile driver attempt. He hit his own, but couldn't make the cover quick enough. And the ref checked on the cut. And I thought, is this going to the possibility of a blood stoppage. I was bought in on this uh, at just under 6.30 of TV time. Um, The Angel of Awfulness turned up and Buddy Roberts and then Taylor and DiBiossi came down to ringside as well. As Ross screamed, they'd show us the result next week if we didn't get there. The show then went off the air as these two men were brawling as if it was for their lives. Um, I've talked about this ad nauseum. I don't like the show finishing this way, but I know why they did it. But this was dramatic, and this was about as good an eight-minute television wrestling as you're ever going to get. This was so good with the crowd massively investing into invested into both these two guys. Uh, what do you think of our television main event here?
1: This was phenomenal, and yeah, I can. It was. I mean,
0: they. I
1: mean, it was a great match, and you're into it. And I guarantee you, they edited this to the point as far as timing. If if you're watching this match and they're rolling around in the ring, just beating the crap out of each other. And on each side, the wrestlers on the outside are reaching for the ropes, putting the knee up on the, They're about to come in. Are they not They're The other, the other wrestlers are about to get involved and and then they stop for a second. You're just on the edge of your seat.
0: Yeah. Waiting to see what
1: happened. I guarantee you you're watching next week's TV
0: show. Big time, 100%. that's what it's all about, isn't it? Or, or they advertise the advertise the Gordie and Williams match for the, for the local arena and you're, you're going there. I like this quite a bit, this show. I thought this was a real return to form, wrestling heavy. And I think that's always a good thing. I think the UWF or Mid-South formula is five-minute matches or eight-minute matches, get characters in, get them out, a couple of promos and maybe an angle. And that's that's you get to see more people. And that's I think that's where... They really hit kind of the the higher quality shows uh, when they, when they do that, rather than going too far one way or the other. So, what, what are your final thoughts on this February the fourteenth, nineteen eighty seven episode of the Universal Wrestling Federation? I never get used to saying that. I my brain always wants to say Mid South Wrestling, but yeah, we've been UWF for over a year now.
1: Right, right, um, and it's gone by so quickly. Uh, but just that last match made it worth watching everything up to this point yeah. so, you know the story you know it's really good so i mean i've got the notes and things but it'd be anti-climatic at this point i do believe but um um yeah what a, a great episode how to end that was just perfect
0: phil it's been great as ever we will definitely get you on i want to i want to get to the to get to the place of um the 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 kind of start starting to see the change of uwf into into crockettville but we'll get you and i'm hoping get terry back on as well but yeah it's been it's been great to catch up after all this time any final thoughts before any final words before we get on out of here about about uwf or anything else
1: Oh, um, you know how we got Terry involved in the podcast, how we found oh, Terry. Did I
0: tell I you? I don't about that? remember now, actually. No, I don't oh, remember. I do want to mention Dan made a huge error. Uh Dan <laughs> oh, yeah. I like anything when you call out errors from Dan, so yeah, I'm call let's out go. Dan. Yeah, uh <laughs> He'll need to go back. He'll need to
1: go back and, and research this, but he can he'll need to listen. He said that he had uh was the first to get to fifty uh code. Oh yeah, yep. Just a week or two before I hit like fifty-one or fifty-two, <laughs> and I'm up to about seventy
0: now. So he needs to cool us he yeah He's a great number three. Great number three. <laughs> well, actually, there's there's quite a few people I prefer over him anyway. So I think he's probably like seventh or eighth now, really. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. See,
1: this, you know, we tried to I tried to set him up in the comments section of one. I knew he was going to be watching.
0: Yeah, uh, I remember we talked uh, about episode. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> he knows that. All right. Oh, I do have a I do have a comment about something you guys had talked about before, and and I was going to tell you how I, how I found Terry. But you know, I was on co-hosted maybe episode eleven or twelve. Yeah, it was beginning, right, right was it? Yeah, I mean, you had four listeners. You know, I mean, yeah. it was a early day, right? It's crazy how this has grown. Yeah, yeah. You've done You have done a fantabulous job a uh, fantastic job getting it all all together and you do a wonderful job it's just impressive and people listen all over the world now but in there was looking for the coast people who might have attended some of the shows mm. right yeah. and i was looking at some facebook groups and um, somebody posted a picture they took themselves with their own camera of Ted DiBiase out of the parking lot.
0: Ah, yeah, I do remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw that picture,
1: so I contacted him. And, oh, yeah, I've been to some of the matches. He's such a super nice guy, such a great down-to-earth guy. Yeah. And I sent my phone number. He called me. We talked, and I hooked him up with you. And now he's done all these great, great podcasts. And his insights have been wonderful, having lived, probably been to many more, many more shows than I have. And you know, for those that don't know, you can find uh, Terry on the International Movie Database. as he's been involved in some uh, filming of some, you know. So he's he has a, been, he's isn't a, a yeah, he's a great extra
0: and so, a and, and a the, podcaster himself. Is it, he's got a basketball coach? What about basketball he, uh, coaching? Coaching yeah. in sports, really? I think it's it's not just basketball specific. So yeah, go and check that out. He's at he's at Coach underscore Canova on Twitter. Um, so yes. definitely check out some of his stuff because he's got a lovely sort of manner about him, isn't he? Like I Correct. can see why people buy into his sort of coaching because it's just he—he's he, the sort of person you want to try for. I think, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's super nice guy. Yeah, down to earth. He's a he's a crypto head like I am. Found out that Colin, <laughs> Colin Barnes. You know, so I, I made some friends here doing these podcasts. I yeah. made friends with, with obviously you and some of your other. uh 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 british gentleman over there but y'all had, had a podcast <laughs> where he talked about the maneuver the clothesline and the lariat yeah yeah i yeah, was talking about it wasn't it yeah let me tell you when when it got changed from the lariat to the clothesline
0: mm.
1: now of course stan hansen it's always been the lariat for stan hansen yeah okay previous to um um, well, about the mid '80s or so, it was always called the lariat. We never called it the clothesline. Hmm. But in the National Football League and in college football, it was the clothesline. And then in the early, I think nobody called me out. Early <laughs> '80s, it got it became an illegal maneuver in professional football.
0: Ah, oh, okay, okay, yeah.
1: But some guys were so used to doing it. It's like a holding penalty. You'd still clothesline somebody, and you get flagged for clotheslining. Hmm. Now it never, never happens. Well, you know how uh, Jim Ross and Bill Watts and everybody—they're always making the connection between professional American football and yeah, the, like the
0: instant team. replay and right. two officials and all officials. Yeah, all right. that sort they, of stuff. Yeah, yeah.
1: I follow all of that, and and whether we have instant replay or not, and they'll always let you know if somebody played ball, whether college yeah. or professional. They always want to make that connection with the professional sports, right? Wahoo McDaniel, you know how many teams he played for in, in the NFL. And and they always bring it up, especially um, Steve there. Um, when they outlawed it, they decided, I think they started calling call it the clothesline. Oh, uh, that
0: makes a lot of sense, yeah.
1: it's a tough this maneuver is so tough. You can't even do it in the NFL. It's too dangerous. That makes
0: a lot of sense because it's the danger factor, isn't it? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And speaking of
1: this, this last episode being at the myriad and Jim Ross says, you know, Steve played his college career just 30 miles from here. Mm. Um, It's not anywhere actually near that far. It's, it's uh, from, from the myriad to the, the stadium in Norman, Norman where Steve played, um, it's just almost a straight shot down Interstate I thirty five. Back then, there was some empty property between them. Now it's all connected. You cannot tell where Oklahoma City ends and Norman stops. Okay. And here yeah. what I think, when I take my wife to lunch today, we'll be driving over to Norman. I mean, that's hmm. how I drive by the stadium all the time. You know where Steve played. I just want to throw that out there, toot my own horn a little bit. But yeah, so the the clothesline was was. A deadly
0: maneuver. A deadly right? maneuver, yeah. That makes right. a lot of sense, yeah.
1: So dangerous, we had to outlaw it. That's just uh, the way he tried to... Oh, and one other thing I want to mention. I was doing some research, and I was thinking about some of the big guys that have been in Mid-South, like King Kong Bundy. Hmm. When King Kong Bundy first started, he was Big Daddy Bundy.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: And that was a tribute to Shirley Crabtree
0: ah crikey that's come back to yeah because when you were talking about one-man gang and i was thinking that and i didn't say it but our biggest draws were big guys like one-man gang big daddy and giant haystack so yeah it's interesting because that that and that did draw though it, it wore it wore it they overstayed their welcome but yeah it was the same sort of thing it was seeing that big person that got people to the to the arenas with all the yeah, cruiserweights can, and lighter guys behind them
1: he's so big how can anybody beat him Maybe yeah yeah, like, yeah. Oh. You know how can anybody beat him? Whether he can wrestle or not. So yeah, yeah but Big Daddy Bundy was a tribute to
0: UK's Big Daddy. Sure. Yeah, Perhaps. how I never okay. knew that. You learn something new every day. That's a great little fact. Good stuff. It's been such. It's always such good fun catching up with you, Phil, because you're such a fountain of knowledge about all things UWF and everything, really. Pop culture, you name it. So we'll definitely get you on. I feel a bit sad that this is coming to. I, I, I've. It's such hard work, and I've talked about it, it's such a woe is me. It's such hard work. It's such hard work, and that's why I've switched it to monthly. But it's still, sure. still. But, but that being said, I've had such a good time doing it. As you talked about, sort of meeting people you never would have spoken to, making friends, and I'd tell you what, if you're ever in London, beers are on me. So get, get, that's a good reason to come and visit. Um, but, oh, it's, it's, but I feel a little bit sad that I know the end. I know the end of this is is coming now um because we've only it's by the end of this year um i'll keep the archives and stuff on there for probably for the foreseeable future certainly next couple of years um but yeah it's like it's going to be a big thing when this finishes and i do feel i do feel legitimately sad and if that as i said earlier on if that's me saying that i can only imagine what it must have been like for people in late 87 when this went away because that that must have been a huge you know huge thing because rather than maybe monthly shows i don't know whether crockett came there twice a year three times a year i don't really know i'd have to look it up i guess WWF was probably floating around but then I, I'd imagine um a bit like when Nitro finished I'd imagine that in you in those those states when UWF went it probably took people away from wrestling for quite a long time because the other promotions I guess weren't really delivering what you were looking for I, I think especially if you weren't a well, fan of Ric Flair because and a, a lot of people wouldn't have been and it was like that was that drove the other promotion even Dusty really didn't they
1: Oh, absolutely! And after this, yeah, absolutely. Dusty and Ric R- R- Flair were, were, were my favorite says We just got to watch the NWA on on the bigger shows. Uh, after the UWF ended, um, I probably didn't make any live wrestling matches again till maybe early two thousands when WWF Monday Night would come. Yeah. You know, once twice a year to Oklahoma City, uh, Monday Night Raw and and what was the other one, SmackDown. Yeah. Um, they would, you know, I'd, I'd take, uh, one or both my boys to, uh, to see shows, uh, TNA, you know, would come around a couple times a year. Yeah. So it until, you know, um, so yeah, after, the...
0: after we lost UWF, there was a big hole. Yes, yeah, a huge dab. Do you remember, were you at the, Oak? were you at the, uh, the Smackdown, at Oklahoma, uh, whatever the arena was then, um, when Steve Austin beat up Jim Ross, do you remember that one? Oh, 2001. yes. Yeah. You were there. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it's totally shocking because, you know, yeah. Jim Ross, by then, he was absolutely a state hero, you yeah. know, uh, and, and, he, and he still is, you know, everybody, whether you're into wrestling or not, you know who Jim Ross is yeah. you know, in, Oklahoma, in
0: Oklahoma, so. Do you know what? I should have gone. I was in Fort Worth. I was too young to hire a car and it was too, and I'd run, I we always were planning to do Fort Worth for Raw after WrestleMania in Houston. And we looked at the flights to go to Oklahoma the next day and we didn't do it. We couldn't even afford a hotel room in Fort Worth. So we slept at the airport that night after Raw wow. and got the wow. 6 a.m. flight back to Houston and we were like zombies the next day. Because yeah. I remember the, the SmackDown was taped on the Tuesday and aired on the Thursday. We were still in Houston on the Thursday. So we watched it on TV. We we're like, we wish. And I think, I think from memory, maybe Jeff Hardy beat Triple H with the Intercontinental title that night as well. I think. Um, but I'd have to I'd have to look that up. But it was definitely the Steve Austin and Jim Ross, because obviously Austin had turned. But yeah, I, I that's the closest I've ever got to Oklahoma Flay Phil was uh was Fort Worth down kind of down the road. But yeah. it's, it's not far. It's, if it's I'd been good. older, I would have I would have driven. I'd have, I would have driven after the after the, the show because I was I was too how young old to drink. I was only nineteen. Be- nineteen. Nineteen, yeah. Yeah, sure. 19. I couldn't even I couldn't I couldn't legally drink. I don't even think I tried to get a drink at the bar because I looked I looked I d- I was a bit like Bruce Pritchard going to I wasn't I wasn't <laughs> an old looking 19. A little bit of like hair not much hair on my face or anything. And I think I bought some beers from a petrol station or gas station just to just so I felt like I could, but yeah. I didn't even try a bar. I was like way too scared for <laughs> that. Yeah, didn't even didn't even attempt it. But yeah, that was very young, really, to be doing that. I remember my dad was absolutely worried out of his mind me going on that holiday for the first time I ever went to the States by myself but yeah. it was all yeah it was all it was all gr- a great time but yeah alas if only I could do it again I'd have made the trip to Oklahoma and I might have bumped into you there we sat next to each other I don't know we could have God. yeah we could have yeah we could have Phil, I will leave you all in peace on this Sunday morning for you and evening now for me but thank you very much again and thank you all for listening Stick around actually, because we'll be we'll be going on to do the the last two episodes of this, which I'd forgotten. The last two episodes of this uh, of this February nineteen eighty seven shortly. But Phil is, is is heading off now. Thank you, Phil. Again, Thanks we should speak so to you again I soon. Appreciate
1: it. Anytime we can do it again, let me know. And in the future, as uh, pro wrestling moments evolves to whatever it is, I will be more than happy to re- to review some some shows or or whatever you you do down the future. I would love to be a part of
0: it. Yeah, definitely. And I th- I think next year, I just don't know. I don't know what personal circumstances will be or, or whatever. And I think that that probably will drive some of it. But I'd be very up for doing some specials like you know, review a month of world class. I've never seen any of that stuff. Sure. So stuff sure. or even AWA or anything. So so I'd I'd always I'd always be very up for doing that with you and, and maybe getting Terry involved if he's interested as well, because there's lots of stuff yeah. out there. But I think I'd like to think in an ideal world, I'll, I'll, I'll at least be doing a show of some description every month in 2024. But it's just, because I love it, but it's just the time. It's just the time. I, what I want is to, what I want, I was talking to my wife about this the other night. It was like, if only I could send them some sort of, you know, these subliminal messages out to about 200,000 people to to follow me on Twitter and then about 10,000 to sign up uh, like, I haven't actually got a Patreon. That 10,000 sign off Patreon. I'd be a very rich man. I could do it full time. But I don't think well, that's the quite there, go, is it, I, unfortunately? I, I
1: appreciate. Uh, I'm sure you pay the other co-host more than you pay me. But the $5,000 <laughs> for <per episode, laughs> I, I appreciate. I'd, I'd like to know what Dan gets. I'm sure he's got a much better contract than the 5000
0: Thing is, I, Phil, your professional is Dan is Dan is always going to be an amateur, I'm afraid. So, yeah, because <laughs> he wants to still do, he wants to still be, be a podcast at the Olympics. Which Obviously, you have to be an amateur to still do that. So, yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> so, uh, but a uh, moment of seriousness, Steve, uh, Stephen, your hard work and time and dedication is greatly appreciated. I'm so thankful and I and I know the others are too that you, you take the time and effort to do these. It's been a true joy and I
0: really appreciate it. No, no, worries. and I'm, I'm 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 really glad that Pete, everyone from my sort of my nephew who's crikey, really young millennial all day long has watched got to watch some UWF and actually some of this stuff has reached not a huge amount a huge audience but some people have seen this really good promotion for the first time through this podcast. So, yeah, we'll keep on cracking till the end. Phil, thank you very much again. So the start of the February 21st, 1987 episode of the Universal Rasin has a promo in it with Michael Hayes and Bill Watts and a cage. And they're talking about putting valets in the cage or Hayes wants dark journey to put in the cage so you can't interfere. But I was going to air this, but I must be honest, some of the wording in this uh in this promo doesn't really um doesn't really come off all that well, shall we say, in 2023. So I'm not going to wear that. I'm going to move on after recording all of it. Um, and we didn't get the end of Terry Gordy and Steve Williams um, at the start of this week's uh, show. because So I don't know what's going on there. But we are apparently getting um, a, UWF tele- a UWF heavyweight title match between Ted DiBiase and uh, the champion, the one-man gang, this week. Uh, let's listen in to what Dr. Death Steve Williams has got to say. And hopefully his promo is a little bit more savoury than that of Michael Hayes. If I press play, that would be a good idea.
3: Boy, do I have a surprise for you people. You know, you people have watched me and followed me since I wrestled and played football in the University of Oklahoma. I just want to introduce you to somebody who's going to be my protege, Steve Cox. You know, Steve, the greatest thing in this business is to bring somebody in here and to teach them and to show them and how to teach them how to kick tail and take names, just like Bill Watts showed me. Uh, see, I'm gonna show you everything I've got and a few tricks up my sleeve. Now I will tell you the best thing and the best advice Bill Watts gave me has told me to watch every single match. So what I'm telling you is I'm gonna get you a chair right there, big boy, and I'm gonna give you the best seat in the house, and you're gonna watch every single match. So welcome to UWF, Steve Cox. One thing about this man, an All-American from Tulsa, and background, and he even played football with the USFL. So welcome
0: Steve, welcome, Steve Cox. He's gonna sit at ringside for Williams's match and see what he said. Steve Cox has got a very low cut and white shirt on.
4: Stampede, if he if he performs this, this should be it. Whoa! That's some weight going down.
0: A, a lovely win. For Steve
4: Cox. Dr. Independent...
0: A lovely win for Steve Williams via the stampede.
4: That a gig, Jim. I think there ought to be a penalty box there all the time for stuff like that. Now, Agbar's in there. He doesn't care if he gets disqualified. Steve Cox is in there. Steve,
0: is pushed, Steve Cox didn't seem to know what he was doing there Steve Cox has counted oh, down DiBiase and the crowd seemed to be cheering that and DiBiase's got the belt but Steve Cox is not a qualified referee that pinfall did not count and DiBiase knows that and he should not be celebrating that title bell he shouldn't be celebrating with it that is uh, very silly from Mr. DBRC. One man gang tried to splash in that off the middle rope, and I genuinely think if he'd hit that DBRC, that might have been the it for him. Joe, uh, you know what? Given the three birds earlier on, what they said, I can't. I'm not sure I can allow Michael Hay- Hayes on air anymore. Uh, let's 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 listen to what uh, Atbar's got to say for himself because he usually behaves himself. Have a little listen.
4: Said after the last match, and
2: he demanded the UWF belt back, and he has a few words to say. That's
3: right. Listen, listen good. What's your name, boy? Yes, you. I'm talking to you at ringside. You go around back-jumping people all the time. at the American Way. Uh-oh. Well, I understand that your protege of the Oklahoma Flunkdown, Dr. Deck Williams. Well, you're in Why is... to begin oh. with. I don't know
0: who you Steve Cox is still at ringside because he's got to watch all matches. He's put his shirt back on at least after the last match.
3: I'll give you one for demonstration. So nobody, shut up and listen to me. Nobody. Nobody puts their hands on the Godfather. Nobody puts their hands on the General. And if you don't think there's any consequences, you just ask Hacksaw Duggan who's long gone from the UWF pretty
0: sure there's something unsavory in there as well um so basically the devastation incorporated beat down on called ken where his name is his name's ken is it ken i've lost the plot at this point to be honest um and uh yeah the debate the baby the faces save him so uh really i don't think there's all that much going on in this this week's episode if i'm completely honest let's skip forward to eddie gilbert we'll see the Eddie Gilbert and Missy Hart have a lovely kiss. be
4: Rick Steiner and Chavo Ferrero when we come back.
3: Ladies
4: and gentlemen here on the Universal Wrestling Federation, remember the debut of the new tag team champions right here next week. Look at that Chavo, that tremendous leap. He almost got Steiner there. Jim, it does look like we're gonna have a ending for this bad
0: boy off there, but Chavo made another tremendous move. He he has Rick Steiner. Chavo just beat Rick Steiner then. A lovely little match to the in the show, which was quite surprising as the title music was playing over the air as it left. So you normally you think you're not gonna get a result there. Um what a lot of weird stuff going on in that match promos i couldn't air so yeah that wasn't that wasn't a fun little recap there really and obviously we didn't get a didn't get a finish to the um the debiase and one-man gang match in a sort of traditional sense hopefully the following week's television is a little bit more palatable and i actually air some of the promos would be quite nice so uh yeah let's see what we've got Uh, apparently we're going to find out who the new tag team champions are as well so uh, i wonder who that's going to be let's skip forward to a little interview with Jim Ross and Dark Journey.
4: ...between Chavo Guerrero and Rick Steiner. I'm Jim Ross. I'll be your host for the next 60 minutes. You're going to see the debut of Sam Houston in this hour of UWF action. Also, the wrestling debut of Steve Cox. And you'll also see the debut of the new UWF Tag Team
0: Champions, Terry Taylor and Gentleman Chris Adams in this hour of Universal Wrestling Federation. Interesting. Now, I've asked Dark Journey to join us
4: because last week, Cowboy Bill Watts and Michael Hayes finally agreed on something that it was a good idea to have a penalty box match. Now, seeing as though Dark Journey is going to be very much involved in this situation, you've had a while to think about it. What are your thoughts about signing a match with penalty box stipulation?
2: Well, my thoughts on it are I agree it's a very good idea because two can play the game. I'm tired of back jumpers and cheaters, and everybody in here is. And I've had it. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you one thing, so you better listen up, Michael Hayes and Sunshine, While the Link is tearing your hide from one end of the ring to the other. I'm sure
3: Sunshine's going to be right in this cage. Where she belongs.
4: Well, ladies and gentlemen, it looks like we're going to be joined by Michael Hayes and Sunshine here. And I hope that we can give a little bit of, use a little bit of discretion here, Michael. You know, I'm really getting sick of looking at you. I'm getting sick of your lies.
0: And I'm getting sick of your interference. Do you know what? I just can't trust Michael Hayes in this angle to not say something horrific. So I'm afraid, unfortunately, Mr. Hayes, you are currently barred from speaking about this penalty box because yeah, it's just not it's not a good look. Let's have a look at some in ring action. Just put on Bill as a doctor. DiBiase and Owen versus uh, Williams and... No, DiBiase and Williams. There,
5: one, two, three. A cradle. This is Eli the Eliminator and, and Wild Bill and Irwin.
0: You
4: see
5: the number one DiBiase and the Doc are truly an awesome combination. However, they were yet to see the end of Devastation Incorporated.
0: Ah, this is uh... a... This is a recap of the tag team title tournament. Let's listen in. As he and Iceman King
5: Parsons, the number eight seed in the tournament, battled the fabulous Freebirds, Michael Hayes, and Buddy Jack Roberts, who were seeded four. This match was a seesaw battle, but Adams' conditioning edged out Michael Hayes' ego in the end, as a high-risk move by the Freebirds allowed Adams to super kick his way into the semi-finals.
4: Adams is fighting. Buddy Jack's going up for the coup de grace. Buddy Roberts, Great. He missed Adams!
0: Oh, yeah. Lovely superkick from Adams. Right on the jaw,
4: The master of the super kick. Chris Adams, upside At the
5: fall. Things look bleak for the birds after their blunder as Hayes and Roberts began to argue. But Adams' attitude and execution were peaked his temper was in line and he proved to the world that this was no joke. how does this work the he's in with his team with
0: ice making parsons but champion with time. terry taylor Just
5: ask buddy Jack Robinson. the first match of round two was the most unusual matchup of the night it pitted two teams that would ordinarily not wrestle one another because of their friendship it pitted number one seeded Ted DiBiase and Dr. Death against the Iceman and the gentleman Chris Adams the match was hard fought and as you might expect some oh. it. but the scorn of general Skandor Akbar was by no means dead tremendous head my his troops outside to stop the advance of DiBiase and Williams
4: oh the one-man De- gang here's Devastation Incorporated and I don't know if Doc sees it Doc didn't see it they've jumped DiBiase there goes Doc he sees it Chris Adams is coming to help. Iceman. Iceman's, Iceman's holding Chris Adams back. Looks like Devastation Corporating fighting Doc and even Akbar is whipping him. That's four. There goes two. Chris Adams to help. What's Iceman doing? Iceman, get out there and help your buddy. Iceman's one of the referees. They're still to count. outnumbered. He's telling the referee to count. Iceman's the legal man of the ring. And Dr. Death's the legal man of the ring. Chris Adams is helping, but the Iceman has stayed behind, and the referee is counting. He's counting Doc out of the ring, apparently. There's no disqualification because neither team is associated with devastation. And that makes no in sense. The ring. But no
0: disqualification thing makes a no out sense out here because everyone's around. getting attacked. Ice making passes allowed <laughs> the count
5: Tamers out. Victim, but as Adams proved with Freebird Buddy Roberts, he wanted to win by pinball, not by paper.
3: Bring them back. Bring them back and let's wrestle. Bring them back. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's over with, man. We won. We won,
0: man. Ooh, interesting. Parsons' turn here, perhaps.
3: I don't want to win like that. I want to wrestle him here,
2: Ferris Square, right in the middle of the ring, right now.
5: Adams was so intent on this fact that his homecoming not be marred by this particular event. That he refused to tag with Iceman King Parsons, and he refused to be a part of his team in the finals The UWF accepted this decision and in the interests of fair play and in the progression of the tournament They held a coin toss to see who would continue Adams or the Iceman The gentleman won the toss and he was allowed to choose a new partner. That's ridiculous. What? In the second bout of round two the number seven seeds, Terry Taylor and Sam Houston, took on number three seeded Rick Steiner and Sting. The quickness and the strength of these two teams made this a breathtaking contest, consisting of nothing but pure athletic skill. At one point, the match looked like it might go to a time limit draw, but the balance was shifted by the outside interference of Missy Hyatt and Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. Once again, the pair pushed Steiner and Sting up a notch, this time into the finals. Terry Taylor and Sam
4: Houston have just been eliminated.
5: At that point, the final match was made. It was to be Chris Adams and Savannah Jack against Steiner and Sting. However, the jilted Iceman came to the ring to protest. Savannah Jack! I've been riding Ice all over the Man's country design. with
3: that sucker. That no good, low-lifed, breezy, black-eyed peas eating food. Man, I can't believe this.
2: I don't want to take your spot. You and Chris are the team. I don't ever want to take your spot, brother. You and Chris can get in this tournament, and I know you can win. You know, you all to go back there and make up with Chris, talk about it and everything. Everything will be all right, man
3: sure brother
0: come on we ought to go back there and talk about it okay bro come on all right come on man he did a good job there peace oh no oh no ice man king parsons has turned on savannah jack Savannah jack was just trying to play peacemaker there he was talking a lot of sense he lost friends he lost respect and
5: he lost a shot at the tag team title he also put savannah jack out of the tournament with a shoulder injury which meant that Oh, Adams- okay was now without a
0: partner. What a convoluted situation.
5: Hyatt and Hot Stuff International's Rick Steiner and Sting, along with the Dallas-Fort Worth fans and myself, were left in anxious awake to see who Adams knew Even the would
0: commentator be. was anxious about Terry it. Taylor! The dream team, you
4: know? Terry Taylor and Chris
5: Adams. Emotions were at their ultimate, but Taylor and Adams stayed cool. Gilbert's attempts to upset the balance almost worked. But the team of Taylor and Adams managed to secure the victory and the prestige of the UWF Tag Team title. Five
0: arm, five arm. The five arm, as Phil says. Taylor with a five arm, and he nailed it! Taylor got it,
4: Taylor got it, the dream team, Chris Adams and Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor, his second chance, he didn't blow it.
0: That was a really, really interesting video package, actually. Like a whole segment on the TV was was used up with recapping that tag team title tournament. Now, while some of the decision making in that left a lot to be desired with wrestlers getting injured and turned and coin flips and the such like i actually thought that was pretty well presented actually got missy hyatt crying at ringside which is brilliant looking really unhappy either tigers playing what more could you possibly want and they're in tag team action next on the show a lovely time and the beautiful missy
2: hyatt well that is very nice eddie i've noticed You know, you look like you've been hitting the gym an awful lot, been working out. Could it be that you're going to be a little bit more active in the wrestling ring? That's right, Bruce Purgisi. See, the big surprise for everybody and the reason. And everybody wants to know why all of a sudden has hot stuff taken an interest? Why all of a sudden is Eddie Gilbert coming back once again to the top and along with me, Missy Hyatt? But why? The reason is, well, I sit back, you see, I put all my time, put all my effort and the two great athletes in the UWF today, Rick Steiner and Sting. And when I knew that they were ready, when I knew they were at the verge of being the tag team champions, that's when I decided, Bruce Prichard. That's when Hot Stuff started looking at things, looking at your TV champion, looking at your UWF heavyweight champion. I started thinking, and Missy started thinking, and we started deciding. Why don't I just hit the gym again? Why don't I put the boots back on, put the tights back on, put the tux back on, play the hot stuff music and come out while all the girls go crazy. I know you don't care about that, though. But when all the girls go crazy and we come out together (laughs) and then we just roll over people and see and I... See, I can stand here now and say, Savannah Jack, get ready, boy, because I got to make my honey real happy. Because I want a championship. And one-man gang. I don't care how big you are. If I want to, I can take your belt, too. I'm gonna make Missy happy right Missy? Oh, honey, you make me so happy. You do such great things other than wrestling. But you know, there's one thing that I do like to see you, and that's wrestle. And that's one thing you can do. And you can win me belts, you can win titles, you can do so much things for me. Because, you know, God, I just sit here and I look at this picture of you, Eddie, and it
6: just gives me chill bumps.
2: See, can you imagine if it gives Missy chill bumps, how it's going to scare people to death like Savannah, Jack, Akbar, everybody Now hot stuff's back on the scene. Woo! Hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert, Missy.
0: So, to put a little bow on this week's episode in its entirety. So, the new tag team champions beat the team of Mike George, And the angel of absolutely no wrestling ability uh, in a tag team match. And let's hear, let's hear from our heroes to close this week's show. Let's hear from them.
2: I'm proud to be standing here with the newly crowned UWF tag team champions, gentlemen, Chris Adams and Terry Taylor. You had a rough go of it. You didn't even start out as tag team partners. And Chris, first of all, I want to welcome you back to the UWF. Thank you, Bruce. You know, I am so proud to be back. I can't tell everybody out there what a good feeling it is to be back. And you know what? I'm overwhelmed by the response that I got. Thank you, everybody. I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. You know, this gives me a good feeling. There's an old saying, Bruce, you know, uh, when you start to lose grip, you start to slide. And you know, I was really doing that. But this is a rocket back up, right to the top, you know. And I'm proud to have you as a partner. I don't know what happened to Iceman. I really don't. You know, Iceman started out to be my partner, but unfortunately, I don't know what's been he said I've been in the slammer too long I think he needs to go into the slammer for a little <laughs> while just to teach him some uh, manners and lessons I don't know what's happening with that guy but I'll tell you what Terry I'm really proud to have you as a partner we were gonna be partners before I left here and uh, now we are I feel good yeah.
6: Well, there's no doubt about it, Terry. You turned out to be one great partner for Chris Adams. Yeah, it goes both ways. He was a great partner. When it started out a long time time ago, when Chris first came here, we said, hey, man, wouldn't we make a good tag team? Because we just felt like our, our styles meshed, and we liked each other, and we thought it wouldn't be too bad to be sitting next to each other in car, driving down the roads and shooting for these. And when it started out, he was the Iceman. You know, I'd already had Sam Houston as my partner, which I was glad because he's new and he's coming back. But really, in the bottom of my heart, what I was that hoping Chris and I would sometime have a chance at these, and just maybe Iceman having a screw loose up here. Whatever happened to Uh-oh. him was a good thing for us. I mean, like they say, what one man's poison is another one's uh, food or whatever it is. But just if something bad happened to Iceman. I don't know what his problem one is. One man's poison is
0: another is, like, man's food.
6: The tag team champions, Chris Adams and myself. It just starts right mm-hmm. now, though. I mean, we tried real hard. I mean, a one-night tournament, three matches. In all and right, out. Terry. Really as hard as we could for these. Well, this is what it all boils down oh, to. Okay. We worked as hard as we could and. We want to be the people's champion for a long long time
4: ladies and gentlemen i certainly appreciate you being with us i'm jim ross we'll see you next week right here for more uwf wrestling action
0: Right, well, that is it for February of 1987. So we got the, the full review of the first two shows. And then, unfortunately, the promos in the second show, as we said, Michael Hayes, you know, maybe a lifetime ban. Some of the unsavory comments he's had. Hopefully he'll have some promos that are good in future weeks that I can actually air. Uh, but yeah. That's it. We've got some new tag team champions. We've got a great recap of the tag team title tournament. One man gang is still our UWF heavyweight champion. And we've got three episodes from March, that is the full last month of Bill Watts own universal wrestling Federation coming up next month. And we're going to do, I think three traditional reviews. So watch this space, keep your eye on our social media for the details of our next shows. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. As always, we had an absolutely bumper January, the most downloads we've ever had across our various shows. So I appreciate all of you listening. And we shall speak to you all again very, very soon.
3: Hello everybody, I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's number one Mid-South Wrestling Podcast Check it out, all the products That's on redbubble.com People, Mid-South Moments They have everything from t-shirts, phone cases, mugs Remember now, redbubble.com
0: People, Mid-South Moments Thanks very much, Ricky, and that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash mid-south moments.